0: Well, praise the Lord. We're in a series called Abundant Living. And in John 10, 10, Jesus said this, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The Amplified, of course, says this, that you might have it, praise the Lord, in abundance to the full until it overflows. The will of God is for His zoe, God kind and God quality of life to overflow in your life and to in fact affect your entire being. The word abundant there means superabundant in quantity and superior in quality and by implication excessive. This is the over and above much, much more kind of life that El Shaddai, the God of much, much more came to give us. Not just enough, but more than more than enough. Now I saw something very interesting as I was studying last week from Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. How that there's a correlation between the Zoe kind of life, the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness, and our reigning in life through Jesus Christ. We'll see it more plainly in these couple of weeks here. In verse 17 of Romans 5, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, of course that's speaking of Adam, much more they which receive, number one, the abundance of grace, number two, the gift of righteousness, what will they do? Well, they will reign in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now all of these blessings come to us through the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So I want to look at a couple of these today. Pastor Nancy did such a tremendous job on Wednesday night. If you did not see it, make sure that you watch it. She preached and taught on the grace of God. It was absolutely wonderful. But I want to talk just a moment this morning about the abundance of grace and this glorious gift of righteousness. Now, notice with me, it says the abundance of grace must be received. So we could say it this way, the abundance of grace is yours to receive. Amen. Now, the word receive means to take hold of, to lay hold of, to take what is one's own, and when it is taken or when it is received, not let it go. It's a verb. It's an action thing. It's something that we receive, not just for today, but we receive this abundance of grace for every day. Now, this jumped out at me as I looked at Young's translation of Romans five seventeen, and I think it might help you as well. Of course, it says, "...by the offense of the one, death did reign through the one, much more those who, through the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness," notice this with me, are receiving. Say it with me, I am receiving. receiving. Now what this says to me is this is something that we can currently and receive daily. In other words, holding fast to the daily grace that the abundance of grace gives to us. Laying hold of this abundance of grace for whatever circumstance and whatever situation we may face. Now say this with me, I am continuously receiving grace, and I am continuously reigning in life. So in order to reign in life, there's a couple things that we must take hold of. Number one, abundance of grace. Grace, not grace, (laughs) grace. Number two, the gift of righteousness. Righteousness. So also I see very clearly in the Word of God that the grace of God and the favor of God are very closely connected. You'll see this in Psalms 5 and verse 12. Notice this with me. He says, For thou, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will compass him as with a shield. I like that. As with a shield you will surround him, the Amplified says, with goodwill, Pleasure and favor. How about that? Amen. Encompass there means to surround, to encircle, or it even means to protect and to preserve. When this abundance of grace is received, the favor of God comes on the scene to preserve you, to protect you, and to keep you in all your ways. Oh, thank God for his keeping power. Aren't you glad that you've been kept by the power of God up to this point through faith in God? Oh, He is a keeper. He, the Lord is our keeper. And in His eyes and in His sight, you're a keeper too. Therefore, you can expect Him to keep you, to preserve you, to protect you all the days of your life. Woo, glory to God. And that, my friends, is shouting ground right there. The book of Job, chapter 10, verse 12 says, Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation has preserved my spirit. Now notice this. The word granted means something that is bestowed upon you or given to you as a gift. The word visitation means his oversight. Aren't you glad he's overseeing you? Hallelujah. He is the apostolus. He is the apostle and high priest of our faith. And he's watching over you. And he's watching over me. The word there, preserved" means to guard, to keep, protect, preserve, to watch over, and to care for. Do you know that you're deeply loved? And did you know that you're deeply cared for? Yes, he cares for you. And he loves you. As much as he loves Jesus Christ. Man, that's just such a revelation right there. Say this with me God loves me me. as much as he loves Jesus. Jesus. My Father father cares for me, He loves me. me. Thank you, Lord. He's watching out for you, and He's given you His Spirit to lead you and to guide you and to direct you away from anything that would hurt you or harm you. So therefore, it behooves us to pay great attention to the spirit of the living God who lives on the inside of us. He is the earnest of our redemption. He is the down payment of what's to come. Mm, Thank you, Lord. He is our comforter. He cares for us. Amen. And then in Psalm 30, verse 5, this is also a good shout and growl. He says, His anger is but for a moment. Thank the Lord. But His favor is for a lifetime. Or in His favor, in His abundance of grace, is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but oh, thank God, what happens in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. Amen. Amen. Now notice this with me. His favor is not but for a moment, but His favor is for your whole life. In other words, not every now and then, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week. His favor is ever present in your life. Webster's Dictionary from 1828 edition defines favor as an advantage for success. Favor is the believer's advantage. The abundance of grace is the believer's advantage. You are at an advantage over what's going on in this world. You are not the tail, you are the head. You are not beneath, you are above. You are not the curse coming in and going out. You're the blessed coming in, the blessed going out, the blessed in the city, and the blessed in the field. So this favor, I love Jerry Savelle's definition of this. It means to support, to endorse, to assist, to make easier, to provide with advantages, and to show special privileges. He also said this, If you want a good dose of the favor of God, read some of Brother Jerry's books. He is a favor expert. He said this, favor, it opens doors, creates opportunities, turns adversaries into allies, accelerates progress and brings great blessings. Favor is the birthright of every believer. Do you believe it? Are you confessing it? Are you expecting it? In saying the same thing, I'm speaking God's Word over your life. Speak the Word of the Lord over your life. Speak the Word of the Lord over your church. Let's try this on for size just for a moment. Say this with me. We declare, we have favor with God and man. The blessing is upon us. The favor of God surrounds us. The mercy and goodness of God are following us all the days of our life. And the blessing of God is empowering me to prosper. Favor. Get favor in your heart. And then get it in your mouth. Constant declarations of the favor of God will bring constant manifestations of His favor in your life. You just get to a place where it's overflowing in your life and you're expecting favor everywhere you go. Get up in the morning and say, This this day is my favor day. I'm expecting my greatest blessing ever today. The goodness of God is upon me. Oh, taste! and see that the Lord is good. And so faith then releases what the abundance of grace contains. Rick Warren said this, What gives me the most hope every day is God's grace. Knowing that His grace is going to give me the strength for whatever I face, knowing that nothing is a surprise to God. Isn't that great? Amen. Amen. I like what Pastor Nancy shared on Wednesday night. She shared from John one sixteen in the Amplified Version. We see in that verse that there's layers upon grace. There's grace heaped upon grace. <laughs> glory to God. Yeah. Does that sound like abundance of grace? Yeah. Woo, glory to God. Say it with me, I have, I have blessing upon blessing, blessing favor upon, favor, upon favor, favor, and gift heaped upon gift. It's the abundance of the grace of God. So folks, there's more than more than enough grace for you to receive today. Let's just raise our hands right now and say, Lord Jesus, I open up my heart now. And I receive the abundance of grace that you've made available to me. This saving grace, this strengthening grace, this serving grace, this sanctifying grace, I receive today. Now let's transition it to the next point. Let's go back to Romans 5 verse 17. We're going to get to reigning in life and there's just some great things I want to share with you in the month of July about it. But I want us to lay this foundation, the abundance of grace, and look at your neighbor and say, The gift gift of righteousness." righteousness. Now notice with me in verse 17 again of Romans 5. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more those who receive abundance of grace, well, we've done that, and also receive the gift of righteousness, shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Amen. Now notice with me that this righteousness is not something that you earn. It is not something that you attain to. It's not something that you arrive to at some point of spiritual growth, spiritual sanctification or holiness. No, the moment you are born again, you are translated out of the kingdom of darkness and you are brought into the kingdom of the glorious kingdom of God. Amen. And in this kingdom, there are kingdom rights and there are kingdom privileges. One of which is the gift of righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. And so this abundant life gives us the free gift of righteousness. Jesus came to this earth to give us a new birth, a new identity, and yes, a new life. Amen. A new life. New life is yours. You know, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, what is he? He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Did you know that you're a new creation? And as part of the new creation, he gave you some new eyes. No, I'm not talking about these natural eyes. I'm talking about these spiritual eyes. Thank God he's given us eyes to see. He's given us eyes to look into the perfect law of liberty and see the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus. He's given you eyes to see the glorious inheritance that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Everyone say, I have eyes to see. But not only did He give you eyes to see, He gave us ears to hear. Oh, I love that, don't you? Are there some things we need to hear down here? I mean, Lord knows we're hearing a lot up here. But a lot of the same information up here is tainted by the world system. But if you will get serious in your walk with God and fellowship with Him, you'll hear things down here that you need to hear. You'll hear things down here that will change the course of your life and set you in a direction that God's got for you. (laughs) Jesus said it over and over again. He that has ears to hear. Now, all of us have spiritual ears to hear, but do we have the willingness to hear what he's saying? You see, sometimes we don't want to hear what he's saying because if we hear what he's saying, we become responsible to do something about what he's saying. Amen. Can I get a witness in the house today? So instead of valuing that, sometimes we ignore that. And as long as we ignore that, we become, if you will, Paralyze on the ladder of our spiritual growth because god will always require you to do something about what he said to you in days past he will always require you to be a doer not only of the written word but he will require you to be a doer of the word that he speaks to your spirit now that word he speaks to your spirit you have to have ears to hear That word that He speaks to your spirit is that rhema word that comes from the throne of grace. Amen? To enable you and strengthen you to walk with Him in this race of life. So we have eyes to see. That is why I pray for you consistently, and I know you're praying for me, that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light. That we may know what is the hope of our calling. See, to know what is the hope of our calling, we've got to see it. We've got to hear from God. And what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is this exceeding greatness of His power? Come on, saints, there's great resurrection power available to you and to me. If we'll see it, we'll seize it, we'll hear it, and we'll walk in it. And these are glorious prayers that we can pray. He that hath eyes to see, and he that hath ears to hear. Mm -mm -mm. A hearing heart and a seeing eye will make a great difference in all of our lives. Amen? Amen. So notice with me, this gift of righteousness cannot be earned, it must be received. Amen. Amen? Now look at a very familiar verse of Scripture, but don't let the familiarity of a Scripture pass by feed on this. Let it get down in your heart and talk about it every day. You know, I've been walking around the house recently and I've been saying this, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are just Jehovah's sin canoe. I have right standing with you just like I'd never sinned before. Amen. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am right in his sight. And folks, if you're right in his sight, you also need to be right in your sight. Because when you're right in His sight, it makes a huge difference in all of your life. Now notice in 2 Corinthians 5.21, let's feed on this for a moment. Read it with me. For He has made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Are you in Him? I like what one person said. He said it this way, Jesus took our sinful condition so that we could receive his righteous condition. Amen. Now here's what's happened. Too often, I think people have associated righteousness with good works. Just again, righteousness is a free gift. You can't do anything to earn it. It's a gift from God. As a matter of fact, you will not be any more righteous when you get to heaven than you are right now. At this very moment. Now there are some things we can grow in. And there are some areas that we need to grow in. How many of you, need to know, how many of you know that all of us need to grow in our love walk? Amen. Well that's about two-thirds of you. <laughs> Evidently you did not have ears to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, every one of us need to grow in our love walk. Amen. You know why? Because the nature of your flesh... That is not born again, incidentally. Your spirit man is born again. And your spirit man is to rule your body. And it's to rule your mind. But for the most part, many Christians are carnal. They're not spirit ruled or love ruled. They're flesh ruled and carnally ruled. Aren't you glad you came this morning? I'm not talking about you. But the truth is, we live in a world that is absolutely full of opportunities to get in strife. And if we don't make a decision every day that we are going to walk in love. We're going to walk in love at Lucky. Hey, we're going to drive in love at 880. Oh man, I had a lot, I mean a lot, I, I did a lot of repenting a week ago. I mean, thank God for the blood of Jesus. But I'm back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to Santa Clara. And I'm telling you what, horns are honking and I'm thinking, oh, I felt the stress. But finally I said, okay, Mark, chill. Take a deep breath. Relax. Walk in love. And pray for those varmints out there on the road. (laughs) Pray for him. Pray for him. We live in an imperfect world. Is that right? Not everything that we like to go our way does go our way. So what we need to do is learn to flow in the spirit and flow in the love of God and not let those things bring frustration into our soul. Because as long as there's an open door to frustration, then there's an open door for bitterness. And when there's an open door for bitterness, there's an open door for sickness and disease. But we can choose to walk in love. We can grow in love. One way that we can grow in love is by looking at 1 Corinthians 13 and confessing it and verbalizing it and declaring that I am patient. I started singing that old song we sang with our kids. Have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Just realize that God is patient with you. Yeah, that's right. Amen. And so we can be patient. We can be loving with other people. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let us grow in the love of God every day. Say it I'm patient. I endure long. I am not unkind, but I am kind. Did you know that being kind to unkind people absolutely disarms them? They just, they don't know how to handle that. Just walk in the Spirit and walk in love. So you can grow in love. Also, we can grow in faith. Should we be growing in faith? Should we be using our faith every day for something? Whether it be materially or financially or physically or for our family, we should be utilizing our faith every day. Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica and he said that your faith grows exceedingly. How about you? I want exceedingly growing faith in my life. You can grow in revelation knowledge, can you not? You can grow to a point where you see things you've never seen before. You hear things you've never heard before. Revelation knowledge is something we can grow in. But righteousness, you can't grow in. It's part of who you are. Now, don't misunderstand me. We can grow in righteous works. But righteous works are different than the fact that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They're two separate things. Now, we in this church favor God's righteous cause. And if you look at some of God's righteous causes, and the way to fulfill them is by something we're doing with the backpack outreach, something that we're doing every Friday by giving groceries away, something that the street witnessing team is doing and going out and leading people to Jesus. That is God's favorite things for His kids to do. And so we favor His righteous cause. We can do righteous works. But righteous works don't make you the righteousness of God in Christ. His work on Calvary, his work in the death, burial and resurrection is what made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Woo, glory to God. Now, what are some of the things that hinder this revelation of righteousness? I'll tell you what they are. It's a sense of inferiority, a sense of guilt, a sense of condemnation you know when there's condemnation going on in my life it kills my confidence yeah. Keith Moore said this many years ago that condemnation is the confidence killer it kills your confidence we could say this with me it dilutes your faith yeah. Yeah. it weakens your prayer life so I've written this in my notes that my faith and prayer life cannot be any stronger than my revelation of righteousness. So your faith and your prayer are going to be at top premium when you have this revelation of your right standing with God. Now here's a great verse, Hebrews four Let's read it together. Let us therefore come what? Let's all get together now. All together Now, one, two, three. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Now, let's keep that verse up there. Where it says, boldly, the Amplified says, Let us come confidently. And let us come fearlessly. Now, you're not going to go to the throne of grace when you have a sense of inferiority or condemnation. Many people, instead of running to God when they fail and they miss it, what do they do? They run from God. Because they know they've missed it maybe 90 times in the same area. And they just know that God doesn't want to talk to them about that. That God's mad at at them. Keith Hershey says, God is not mad at you. He is mad about you. And so this sense of guilt, this sense of condemnation, keeps people away from going to the throne of grace. It's what one person calls being conscious of our sin or sin consciousness. So he said, Pastor Mark, I can't go to the throne of grace. I can't receive abundance of grace. I have sinned. Well, yeah, you may have sinned. But what did you do with the sin? Are you wallowing in the sin? Are you kicking yourself in the rear end? Because you've sinned? Are you still on the ground wallowing in a puddle in the mud of guilt and condemnation, or have you asked him to forgive you and if you have not, do so now you know this verse of scripture probably as well as I do first john one nine let 's quote it together: If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. To forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us. Glory to God. Now here's what God does with your sin. When you confess it. And when you repent. God says your sins. And your iniquities. I will remember no more. Psalm says as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah says, I even I am he that blotteth out thy transgression for my own sake. I don't want to remember that mess. I blot out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember them anymore. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. It's under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you have committed the sins, nine, the sin, same sin, 90 times, and now it's the 91st, and you're walling around in guilt and condemning, oh God, oh God, oh God, I did this. He says, I don't remember the other 90. Let's deal with the first one here, 91. Now, that's not a license to sin. Because really, asking forgiveness and repentance are two separate things. Are you here? He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. But it's our responsibility to repent. And what does repent mean? Repent means to turn away from. Repent means to turn around. Repent means to acknowledge it and also do something about protecting ourselves from entering into that area again. And that's good preaching, Pastor Mark. Thank you very much. So I just want to encourage you, stop bringing it up to him again and again. Stop carrying the baggage of guilt. I heard something years ago from Brother Moore, and let me just read it to you like I got it. He said, now as a Christian who has sinned, your heart will bother you about it. Will it not? Your heart will bother you about it. He said this, it's appropriate to have some feelings about it. But he said this, if you repent and confess it and acknowledge it and receive forgiveness, you're not supposed to go the rest of the week feeling bad. And then he went on to say, be glad that you're washed and cleansed and you're you're righteous and your fellowship has been restored. But you don't just go on having missed it, acting like you didn't miss it, and acting like you don't care. He said, that's not okay. And that's the repentance part. Amen? Your heart bothers you. You get cleansed. You turn away from it. But you are also aware of the fact that you are living in a place of turning away from those things that have dragged you down. Amen? Amen. Oh praise the Lord. Aren't you glad yes. whom the Son has set free is free indeed? Yes. Here's what Jesus said. He's what James said. He said this that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yes. Did you know that you are not inferior to anyone? Did you know that you have first-class righteousness and first-class favor? Oh, Glory to God. If you've ever flown on a jet, there's a huge bit difference between first class and economy class. I've had the privilege of flying in first class and I've had been in economy class. Nothing wrong with that. But how many of you know, get treated a little bit better in the first class? Is that right? Well, in Christ Jesus, there's no such a thing as an economy class Christian. Oh, I want to shout that from the housetop! There's no such a thing as a second-class Christian. You are all heirs of God and joint-heirs with Jesus Christ. You are all more than conquerors. You are all first-class citizens of the kingdom of God with first-class rights and first-class privileges. Woo! Glory to God. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. In your first class seat, just sit down with your good self. Amen. Amen. Sit down as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And say, pass the bread. Glory to God. Pass the healing power of God. Pass the power of God. Amen. Amen. Woo! Just sit right there with your sassy self. Now don't get sassy with the Lord, but get sassy with the devil. I mean, your right standing gives you the privilege to go before a holy God without a sense of guilt or inferiority as if sin never existed before. But it also gives you the right to stand in the presence of your enemies with no fear, with no guilt, with no condemnation, with the name, with the blood, and with the word of God, putting him on the run. You do not have to be afraid of the devil. Say of me, I'm a first class citizen. Citizen. Of the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Ooh, glory to God. So don't settle. Don't settle for a life of condemnation. Or inferiority. But come up to your blood bought first class seat. That has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Mark Hankins said this in his book. On a revelation, revolutionary revelation. He said this. He said Righteousness is a state of being restored to perfect fellowship with God. And then he went on to say, you are no longer running a low-grade fever of guilt, because now there is no sense of sin or inferiority. You are not at 50% or 75% righteousness, based on your good works. But you are 100% righteous, what Jesus has done in redemption is greater than anything you have ever done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! First class, all the way. All the way. Look at made Ephesians chapter one and verse six. Amen. Ephesians one six. Notice this with me. It says, "To the praise of the glory of His what?" So we've been talking about that, wherein. We're in this grace. We're in this gift of righteousness. He has made us, what? We are accepted, where? In the beloved. Now declare this, I am accepted in Him. Therefore, I have no rejection or inadequacy or inferiority. When you know that you're accepted in Him, it will absolutely set you free from constantly seeking the approval from others. I think I better preach on that just for a moment. We're almost done. Let me make this statement again. When you know that you're accepted in the Beloved, this confidence in Him sets you free from constantly seeking the approval from others. Do not be an approval addict. Just know that you're loved, you're accepted, that you're not rejected. Oh yeah, we all got work to do. But I heard a verse of scripture that we can be confident in this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in us, he will complete it until he returns. Just know this you're accepted, you're right in his sight. Hallelujah. And the Lord is good. Amen. Matter of fact, last verse, you are his workmanship. Let's look at Ephesians 2, verse 10. Ephesians, the second chapter, and the tenth verse. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands and thank Him. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're not on a works program. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. We are accepted in you. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. As a matter of fact, we are His workmanship. It says, we are His workmanship. We are the handiwork of God. We are God's poem. Created in Christ Jesus. Under good works. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Yes. Folks, the moment you got born again, you were in Christ. And whatever is in Him flows into you. Yes. Said me, I've been literally put into union, put into union. With, Jesus with Jesus Christ here's what man's condition was before the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ it's found in Romans three ten. let me quote it to you there is none righteous no not one but how many of you know that does no longer apply to you and me why because you're not in Adam anymore you are in Christ and here's our verse being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, Father, I thank you that your word has gone forth today, it's lodged deeply into the hearts of the people in this place and deeply into the hearts of the people watching online. My prayer right now, Father, in Jesus' name, is that you would take this word, it would become alive in them more and more in the days, the weeks, and the years ahead. Thank you for the abundance of grace. Thank you for the gift of righteousness. Thank you that you've accepted us in the Beloved.